0: Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Serbian Corner, a show where a couple of Serbians talk about the nuggets on the DNVR YouTube channel and the DNVR Nuggets podcast feed. So what we do on this show is a weekly recap of Nuggets basketball, quick takeaways, main teams, disagreements, and everything else. My name is Miroslav calling you from not too distant future from Pančevo, Serbia, six hours away from Dan and eight hours away from Denver. And this time I'm not joined by Voja Medić, who is tied up at work, but have no fear. you're You're not going to be exposed to me rambling by myself for an hour. We are already in the off-season mode, so we normally have just one segment on casual Fridays. But since Adam and the boys are golfing golfing today, I felt the need to hop in and give you guys your Nuggets daily fix via this impromptu show. To make it more special, I've asked a good friend of the show to join me. He is a co-host of one of my favorite general NBA podcasts. Hardwood Knox, a writer for the Bleach Report, and also one of the most fun NBA Twitter followers, not to mention a super nice guy, Mr. Daniel Dan Favale. Welcome, Dan.
1: Oh, that was one heck of an intro. Thank you so much for having me. Always happy to to hop on and chat with you.
0: Are you super busy these days?
1: Yes, I'm always busy. That's my default setting, but can't complain. I cover a, I cover a freaking game for a living, so I cannot complain.
0: Uh, how many teams have you already covered on the hard knocks in the in the off-season mode or are you still going uh division by division or something like that
1: so we've done like biggest questions for 26 of the 30 teams it was just as they were eliminated from the season and we might have more extensive like primers once we get past the nba finals but um you know, people for general NBA podcasts, people seem to love the free agency and trade content. And so we're about to get into a, a whole lot of that since it's about to become the, you know, trade season part two. There's the trade deadline and then there's just the off season. They're just wild when it comes to transactions. So I, I couldn't recommend
0: more to everybody who is looking for more NBA content during the off season. Go and listen to Dan and, and his co-host Adam Frommel as well. In, on the Harvard Knox to, to grab some more info because uh, very soon we are going to be without games. So we need to to latch onto something before the new season begins. Okay, so the reason I've called you to join me today is the fact that even though us Serbs usually have unique perspective on all things nuggets, I wanted to add to that, that uh, outside perspective from a well, well, uh, very well-informed uh, national media member that could better see the forest for the trees so that this is why'd you bring me on then (laughs) (laughs) okay so let's start with our first segment which is called the rakia shot so uh let me just put it yeah this one here okay so rakia is a serbian national alcoholic drink usually taken before dinner to make a toast So what this segment will be is the quick headline, something that made impression on us quickly and strongly. This week's Rakia shot is the Tim Connelly news in the Denver Nuggets. Dan, I've seen some of the tweets, of your tweets, uh, about uh, the departure of Tim Connelly, so I'm eager to know what kind of message do you think the Nuggets as an organization is sending to its fans and to NBA free agents with letting their president of basketball operations to their division rival?
1: I don't know if it's a particularly strong message, but if it is, it's not a great one. And the Nuggets have ponied up for their talent before, the players, including the ones that they have on the roster at this moment. We know they're going to super max out Nikola Jokic. Um, They currently are slated to pay a ton in luxury tax payments next season. That being said, they've always kind of skimped on the front office side. It just so happens that... um, they've done a good job of developing and and having these front office minds in place. And you lose Masai Ujiri, um, Tim Connolly's here, you lose him, but Calvin Booth, everything you read about him, he's, he's sort of just this draft obsessed detail oriented person. And he was instrumental in trying to get the Timberwolves to draft Jamal Murray, but Tom Thibodeau wanted Chris Dunn instead. Look how that turned out. And so there's I, Calvin Booth, ton of respect for him. And it seems like he's going to do a very good job, but you got to stop becoming like this farm system in the front office for these other franchises at some point. And I understand that Connolly got an offer um, that not only doubled his salary from Denver, but you got an ownership stake, which really, that rarely ever happens. And I, so I understand that part, you know, you can lean on that if you're the nuggets from when you're looking at the fallout and saying, okay, well, you know, what were we supposed to do? how about never let it get to a point where he was just free to leave in the first place. He had that dalliance with the, I think it was the wizards. uh, Was it two years ago, whatever it was. And like, I don't know if he used that as leverage or if it was always in his contract that like they were just going to pay him less than market value or not top dollar. And he would have the flexibility to leave. If he saw fit, you can't let things like that happen because he was super important to assembling this team. And at some point, the well is going to run dry, especially because the nuggets are known as just a smaller operation in general. When you're looking at the front office, it's almost, a, you know, it actually, it's not almost, it's absolutely impressive with what they've been able to do given the size of their staff relative to some of these other teams. At some point though, you have to believe that you're not just going to, to hit perfectly on your next hire or your next replacement. I'm not saying that's Calvin Booth. He might be fine, but Calvin Booth is probably, if he's great, he's going to end up getting paid by another franchise that is in Denver down the line so i think that's a, a troubling message and i don't think it does anything to the team materially right now it's looking long term whereas you're you are going to have to flesh out the next era of basketball at some point are you going to have enough people in place the right people in place um to get to, to just get your franchise into a good spot to where it's either segueing out of this error at any point whether it's a rebuild or insta contention um and if you don't like that could set you back years, and so it's not an imminent problem, but I don't think it's a particularly encouraging message when this is a reoccurring thing is the nuggets the cronkies just not paying to keep really, really good front office talent
0: yeah, and you know when you when you see a company that is always uh, promoting from inside and never getting you know outside talent to to put uh, in the top positions that means that this company is either really smart or really cheap. And I I guess you can say both of those things for the Nuggets organization. They've really been able to buy, you know, low on the, on the front office and coaching staff during the years. And every year we see at least one assistant coach leaving for a, a higher position in another team or maybe for a, for a better salary elsewhere. So, uh, uh, yeah they're building kind of a legacy both in front court in the front office and in the in the coaching staff but it's it's really getting getting annoying to to nuggets fans to to watch every year one of their favorite guys leaving for 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 greener grass i guess what do you think about michael malone's safety as a head coach now that Tim Connolly is is out because you know he was hired by Tim Connolly, and when when a new general manager enters, even though Kelvin Boot was already a, a general manager before, but he had a Tim Connolly on top of him, and this 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 is the first time he is the guy. So if he has a short short term contract, he could always try to make let's say the Nuggets. Don't have a really deep uh, playoff run next season. The first thing he could do is just fire Malone, right? Just to save his ass and try to try to prolong his tenure on the Nuggets. What do you think about that? And Voya is just uh... hi, Voya. Hey guys,
2: how's it going? Pretty good. Sorry, I'm late. I was getting done with an Excellent. experiment.
0: Excellent. So what do you think about uh, Michael Malone's security at the head coach position now?
1: I think, look, there's a chance it would have become an issue no matter what, because the Nuggets are getting to a point where if they underachieve next season, if they're more healthy, um, or if they just there's injuries again and they finish seventh or sixth in the West, whatever it is, maybe they take a step back from this year for whatever reason, you've gotten to the point where almost one of the only things you can do is change the coach. And so whether if Tim Conley was still in charge, that probably becomes a topic um, if the Nuggets underachieve. And so maybe it makes it more likely now, if Calvin Booth wants to put his stamp on the team, um, I would guess just because he's been with the Nuggets for a while, that there should be at least more synergy there between he and and Michael Malone. And if you're just the franchise in general, I know Nikola Jokic is super low maintenance, but you know he had a great relationship with Tim Conley. He has a fantastic relationship with Michael Malone. You can only get rid of so many people who he is close to, like in consecutive seasons, in my mind. And look, he's been low maintenance, great. Don't take advantage of that. And you already have, in my opinion, by letting Tim Conley go. So I wouldn't expect it to become an issue unless the Nuggets are just bad or flat out underachieving next year. And I do think when you look at this season, and you know, the seeds are stupid because of how close some of the win totals are, but they're sixth. When you look at the talent on the roster. That is a disappointment, but you have the context of the injuries that helped Nikola Jokic win MVP. That is probably where you'll see the biggest difference, where if those are injuries you're dealing with again because Michael Porter Jr. has those serial back issues, maybe Jamal Murray doesn't look the same, uh, you're not going to have that, I guess, perceptional cushion, and that could lead the franchise to, again, look at Michael Malone's security if they don't think that they can move Murray or Michael Porter Jr., or do anything else to, to upgrade the roster. They are, given how much they're paying their core, getting to a point where if something does go wrong, you're going to just start looking at the coach because that is one of the few things that you're, you're able to change.
0: Voya, well, what do you think? We haven't been able to, to hear your opinion about the fallout of Tim Connolly leaving and yeah. And just to latch to the last question about how, how should Michael Malone feel about the whole thing right now?
2: I mean, honestly, like, yeah, considering how how Nuggets have shown with the organization, you guys talked about it, like, and and Dan, you're right. There's so much advantage you they should be able to be allowed to take advantage of Jokic's low maintenance. I mean, Malone's got to wonder at this point, like, if they're willing to, you know, set, you know, get away from Conley at this point, like, you know, he's not safe. Like he wasn't safe in Sacramento, and you're right with the underachieving next year. That is. One of the things, like first of all, it wouldn't wouldn't be unfair completely to look at look at him if the roster's completely full and healthy. Uh, if they're underachieving, like maybe it is something with him, which I don't think it is. Like he's a good coach, and I, I don't know. I was kind of I was kind of MIA with the with the Conley thing because I don't know. I mean, the thing is, like I was never that invested in President of Basketball Operations stuff. It does suck because he's he was really good and he was really that culture was built by him. The guys in DMVR talked about it. Uh, extensively this week so that is concerning that you're willing to sacrifice that foundational piece of who built this attitude towards basketball that the Nuggets have because it's the guys that he chose that also are complementary to this team of and that Jokic's psyche of like hey this is a team first sport we want to bring players to believe in that as well and it's not an accident like these all these guys like Bones you know Montel these people were drafted to the Nuggets And some of the other guys throughout the league weren't. So we'll see. I mean, the thing is, yeah, you'd be right about Booth. Like, he might, you know, he might eventually be like, hey, uh, this is, it's me or you at this point if we underachieve. I hope they don't. I mean, I really don't think about that, think that they will. It's just, it's the beast of the NBA. You see, the Grizzlies are so deep this year. And I I said this whole year, like, they were so similar to me with the Nuggets in 2018 19, that they had such a deep roster that they can with all the injuries they can still be winning now now nuggets are front loaded and you have you know a couple of guys go out and you're in trouble so i I don't know i i think it was bad to not sign conley obviously and i now it's just now they're on alert like the whole organization and i would see Jokic being pissed if malone is the next one to go obviously like i wouldn't blame him either haven't been able to watch the Nuggets, Avs,
3: and Rapids games. Now you can watch all Colorado teams you love with Avaca TV. Avaca is a totally new approach to TV programming, delivering that is less expensive, easy to watch, and offers a superior picture. Services include Altitude Sports, AT&T SportsNet, and other national channels. Evoca Alt- TV is growing constantly and adding new channels. I know they just had a new partnership with Sling TV. You're going to want to check that out. But yes, most important of all, they have Altitude Sports. That's where you're going to want to switch. They also have a brand new DNVR channel that you're going to want to check out. Now, here's what you got to do. Go to evakatv slash dnvr to sign up. Use promo code dnvr. You get $10 off your first three months. That's only $15 per month the first three months plus the receiver. No contacts, no hidden fees. Option to rent a receiver, $5 a month or purchase a receiver for $250. Ivaca TV, you guys know them. Big partners of ours and some exciting things coming up for them. So check them out. ivaca.tv slash dnvr. I also want to tell you about DraftKings Sportsbook. The NBA playoff action is nonstop at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. This week, new customers can bet just $5 on any team to win and get $150 in free bets if they do. Looking to turn a small bet into a big payday during the NBA playoffs? With DraftKings same game parlays you can do just that create your own parlay by combining multiple bets like which team will win total threes made total rebounds and more and more and boom you got a shot at a bigger payoff right now all customers can place the same game parlay with three or more legs and get a free bet back up to $25 if one leg does not hit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code DNBR. Bet $5 on any NBA team to win the game and get $150 in free bets if they do. That's promo code DNBR. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older. Colorado only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. And if you have a gambling problem, call
0: 1-800-522-4700. Let's now skip to, to uh, uh a better subject. Uh, the off-season is approaching fast. The the, the the draft is like in three and a half weeks right now. So we are now going Ooh. to the Burek of the week. And Burek is a nice juicy pastry dish uh, that comes either with cheese, spinach or meat and is well known because Nikola Jokic used to eat it a lot when he was younger around the time he was turning pro. So this segment will be best thing of the week that we liked the most that was the juiciest story performance or a whole game. Now we don't have any Nuggets games, so we have to latch on on the little pieces of news we get during the week. So basically, our high calorie count topic we like the most. So Dan, let's start with this. And this is also a downer. What (laughs) is, in your opinion, the most glaring weakness of this Nuggets roster right now?
1: I think it's probably point of attack defense. You could make a case for shooting in theory, but it's they just didn't have Jamal Murray or Michael Porter Jr. That's going to work itself out if they're healthy in a team. You could have really crummy shooters around Nicole because Yo, you're just going to have space because he finds a way to, to generate it for you with his passing and then just, I mean, him being himself. Um, and so I, I think you need to try and find guys or a guy who's going to alleviate the burden on Aaron Gordon, who has just been overtaxed and miscast now at every nba stage of his career they were trying to use him too much on offense in orlando um they had him shouldering some pretty heavy defensive burdens he comes over to denver and it's like the perfect fit on paper but he finds himself being even used more heavily as a point of attack defender while also not having the perfect offensive role just yet because you didn't have jamal murray or michael porter jr so they really need to get what i would coin is like the best or second best defender that would be on this team. And I don't know necessarily how you go about that outside of a trade, unless you get lucky in free agency, just because we know they, you know, if, if they're willing to spend it, the most they're going to be able to use is that mini mid level exception this summer. So uh, there are guys that spring to mind. When you think about that, like a Bruce Brown who's entering free agency, if he decides to leave Brooklyn uh, and I, if I'm the Nuggets, I'm not worried too much about the offensive impact of those players I'm bringing in because, again, Nicole Jokic is going to find ways to, to get even non-shooters um, moving towards the basket or just higher-end opportunities. And someone like Bruce Brown specifically shot the ball extremely well from three this year on, on very little volume, but that's an encouraging sign if you're looking at him specifically. I do believe that's the route you have to go. If you're going to upgrade this team, whether it's on the margins or take a bigger swing on the trade market, I believe that needs to be your focus and if it's not that probably says that you don't have a great deal of faith in Michael Porter Jr. and or Jamal Murray remaining healthy for most of next season and that's an entirely different issue that you then have to contend with yeah
2: that's a, yeah that's a whole different conversation if they which is kind of be would you know would be downer if, if the offseason turns out to be what you're saying is they don't pull any of those moves and like ah oh, damn it they're not really having any faith in this year again so it's like three years now of of and,
0: and, know, and that was actually of Jokic's prime, yeah. And that was actually our whole season. The, the season that just ended for the Nuggets was basically that we were just waiting. Okay, another month, another month, another month. Okay, push for another four weeks. Hopefully, we will be fine. Now Michael Porter is uh, about to come back before Jamal Murray. Okay, no, now nobody's talking about Michael Porter anymore. Now we're waiting for Jamal and so on, and it just. Never happened, It was but- crazy.
2: You see, I don't know if you guys saw, did you guys see the someone snip, uh, clip, uh, screenshot it? Like it was a before All Star break, entering All Star break, the odds for winning the title or reaching the finals or something. Golden State was at like 10%, according to them. And then Denver was at 14 because they were assuming Jamal and Porter would be back, because those were the news at that point. Like Jamal was supposed to be around All Star. I'm like, that's crazy. The Nuggets, not right now, looking back at it, thinking that roster, is like there's no way they have more of a chance to go to the finals than the Warriors. But I agree with the point of attack. And I, and this year kind of proved that concept. What you're saying is the Jokic will find space no matter who's around him. Like no matter how bad they're shooting, you know, it seems like he can get, you know, get his quote unquote, but in a, in a flow of offense as well. Like, you know, against the Warriors, they weren't shooting that well in a few of those games where they were just, you know, when they took him to to the edge um, to end the you know, last three games. Um, and he was still getting like really good numbers and producing and the whole season obviously like they were double triple team at certain certain stages so that you're right I completely agree like Bruce Brown if, if they can pull him like that would be a great there would be a great get like some someone like that and then you can talk about trades with Barton and and you know co- trying to consolidate that part of it too yeah I agree that's a great great point, fun, with the point of funny it.
0: you should mention Bruce Brown because Dan Favali actually mentioned Bruce Brown as a great target for the Nuggets in his article a couple of weeks ago. So so we'll get on that as well. One, one interesting thing for me, a couple of weeks ago, the great Caitlin Cooper had a tweet saying that out of the four last teams left in the playoffs, there was only one player that was 6'10 or, or taller, and that's Dwight Powell for the Dallas Mavericks, and he sucked, actually, in that series. So I'm... Not now. Trying to ask you if the Nuggets should trade Nikola Jokic. I want to ask you: <laughs> Should Nuggets keep the Marcus Cousins as or try to keep the Marcus Cousins as their backup five? Is there is there a viable viable uh, 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 advantage to have a, such a big backup center for the for the playoffs next season? Then.
1: I I think if you can keep him, it makes sense to having the relationship that he has with Michael Malone and also just someone you can use, not similarly to Nikola Jokic, but you're not gonna have to change your offense a ton when you're in the half court. Like he can work from a lot of the same spots that Jokic does. Um, If you're looking for a different type of backup center, then you're probably looking for functional diversification, which is fine. I just don't think that that's what you should be using your best spending tool on, which would be your, you know, your mid-level exception this year. Um, and also just the names of the centers, like you're not going to get a Nick Claxton or a Mitchell Robinson. Um, you're probably not even going to be able to get, and, and you had in Isaiah Hartenstein would have been fantastic for this team. Um, so I, if yeah. you can get Boogie back and like, he's not, he's also not costing you. And I can't imagine he would your best spending tool. Um, I don't think it's a terrible option. If you really want to diversify what your backup five package looks like, Jeff green is still under contract. And then I even think, you know, I don't see it all the time, but I am just an incredibly, I'm incredibly high on Zeke Naji, And I think that you could probably steal more backup five minutes with him over time. I know he's sort of viewed as like this pure four or whatever, but I think against certain matchups, especially what we've seen in the playoffs and especially given how Zeke Naji can move. Uh, I do think that you can grab minutes from him there as well. So you don't need to make, in my mind, a huge to do over the backup five spot, unless again, you're really just looking to to juice those like, you know, when it matters most eight to 10 minutes when Nikola Jokic isn't going to be on the floor. So if Boogie can come back and it's going to cost you the minimum, I absolutely think based off how he played uh, what you might want out of your backup five on offense, that, that, that's totally uh, totally fine. If not a good move by them.
0: Yeah, well, what do you think? Yeah,
2: yeah, I, I, I think they should. Yeah, especially since he was playing better and better as the season was going on. Obviously, got into shape. Like m- one of our guys, ice Cave guy, uh, said. Basically, they should have signed him for like end of the season and next year on a minimum. So it's before like he starts playing well, uh, so he doesn't like I'll, I'll, pri- I'll, I'll price himself out of the Nuggets contract. Um, I think they should have a option of having that center. That was that was what what it su- what sucked about the Hardenstein thing. Is that they had him and they had like Jermichael Green, uh, that it's it just with Malone. Sometimes it's weird like he has this specific rotation and people complain about him all the time. And I'm one of one of them with the with the rigidity of the regular season with his rotation. Is there's with him? There's not a lot of like, hey, we'll try like Zeke for a few games and then see how it goes. And I think with Boogie is is a vet that gives you the option. Cause with Hardenstein he was still, he needed minutes to actually develop and he got that in Cleveland. Then he, then he went to the Clippers this year too. And now he's probably going to be a regular rotation for them it is with with veterans. They understand and like how, how it works. So like you can, you can sit them and they know you, whatever you plug them in. Rivers was out of it for, for a few games this year. And then he's back like, cause he was ready. He knows how to be a professional. So I think it's, it would, it would be paramount to have that option of like a big center because, you, you hit the nail on the head, Dan, with the style of play when Jokic is out. When you have Boogie, it doesn't change philosophically, I guess. Like, you can obviously with Murray there, you have you can run him through pick and rolls and stuff. But he can pass. Like, he is a big presence there. You're not changing. Like, oh, we're going completely small ball, five out. And you have Monte that used to play. You know, they, he's used to playing with Jokic in those uh you know like overall rotation minutes that then goes and now we're going five out and then I have to like go to the rim and we're not doing pick and roll we saw that with like they were, they were running teams out of the gym in Denver when Plumlee was there just cuz they would have that continuity and I really like that obviously for playoffs it didn't work out for you know in with the Lakers and stuff but they had that rhythm and so the guys on the bench would be used to playing that style even though obviously no one's Jokic but that idea of basketball that with this through a center with they can pass then if in in case of injuries then they go into starting lineup and they're used to now like playing that level again so i think i think they should have as much like i think that's what booths should be prioritizing this have options on this roster because we've seen them being injured a lot so to have like safe bet you know that's why there was a problem with pj got hurt he was like the only small forward so have like as many options as you can so you can you know you can mix and match like when you need to
0: yeah i have to agree boogie is a great option for the regular season for sure and even if you have to cut him out of the rotation for the playoff that's not a problem if you actually manage to have 15 guys on the roster on the regular <laughs> yeah. roster spots that that can all play and uh, if you can get boogie and not use one of the one of the exceptions for keeping him on that's that's just a uh, that's a no-brainer for me. So I agree with both of you guys. Okay, now, draft is approaching. Should the Nuggets keep or trade their first-round pick this season? The reason I'm asking this is because on the draft night, they can try and pull an all-in move using their this year's pick and also a couple of first-round picks from the future and attach it to some salary, some players to try and get the all-star level player. What do you think then is are you in favor of trying to, to pull something like that out or maybe do it in, in, in stages? Like just use this year's first round pick for one move, uh, at the draft night and maybe keep some picks for the, for the, uh, trade deadline next season, next year.
1: Yeah, I, I think it just depends on who's available. I I think in a vacuum, it would make sense to move the pick after you after you take it, just because this is not you know depending on who's available. If you if you really like a you know one of the prospects I've grown to like for them is Marjan Beauchamp feels like he could come in B three and D right away. But we've seen that normally the playoffs, the finals, the highest levels of basketball are not going to be accessible or impacted by youth the warriors might be an exception um and like kaminga even looked over match in a bunch of his postseason minutes and look at yeah. how long it's jordan pools in uh year three and this is what it's taking to get him to that level so there's a, a way to get immediate help uh, you absolutely should consider especially if it's addressing some of your biggest needs the scale of it though is just going to depend because when you're talking about moving other picks like they in theory can trade 2027 and 2029 That's really, really far away. And you can question whether even teams will value those picks because front office, uh, most front offices don't have the type of job stability that we see from, you know, certain ones like uh, Masai Ujiri in Toronto or Tim Connolly before he left Denver. (laughs) So um, that changes the complexion of offers. But they do have have just some interesting middle rung contracts they can, you know, if teams want to pick and they're looking to get rid of just a veteran because they're going in a different direction or they're worried about his next contract. Um, They they certainly can do some things. I do think the ultra-aggressive move, and I know you sent this on the rundown, so I don't mean to jump ahead. It's going to come down to, are you putting Bowens Highland on the table? And that is, in a perfect world, I'm saying no. But if you believe that Jamal Murray is going to be fine, then Bowens Highland absolutely has to be on the table if the right player becomes available because he is your single... Biggest trade asset right now, realistic trade asset, anyway. It's not mm-hmm. Michael Porter Jr. with that contract kicking in. It's not even Jamal Murray. If you thought they would consider moving him, coming off an ACL injury, you're not moving Nikola Jokic. That would be absolutely bonkers. Uh, <laughs> so it, it's Bones Highland, like, and it's it's just not even close. And yeah. what
0: what do you think is the level of player that Nuggets could land for a for a Bones and let's say a first round pick or two, and some salary?
1: I think the it. ceiling on it. And people in Canada will probably be extremely mad at me is an OG and an Like if you include a bones Highland who doesn't necessarily fit the Raptors defensive motif, but I fully believe that he might end up being a lead guard someday in the NBA after watching him this season, I had no idea the shooting was probably undersold somehow, but I had just no idea him coming into the NBA about his passing and how comfortable yeah. he, can, he looks making decisions when turning corners. Um, I, there's probably some questions about what does he look like if you're putting the ball in his hand, slowing it down a bunch. Uh, but he was a rookie so and making an impact on a team that went to the playoffs. If you're attaching him to this year's first, um, you have other salaries. Like Zeke Naji is going to be an asset to certain teams because he's so cheap. You also have the salary matching tools in Will Barton, also Monte Morris, Jermichael Green going into the final year of his deal. I love, I love Jermichael Green. He was terrible this past year but he's on an expiring contract. That's an asset. So if you were really willing to throw the kitchen sink and Toronto's thinking not necessarily long-term, but okay, we have Scotty Barnes. There's no trading Siakam anymore. He's fantastic. I don't even know why that was a thing in the first place. We have Fred (laughs) Van Fleet. OG almost seems out of place now on offense. And I think you could argue the version of him that they used on offense this year might actually be the best role for him, but it does get a little jumbled in Toronto pretty quickly. And so, I could see him being available for the right price, and I think Bones Highland is tantalizing enough to put you in those conversations. Again, not alone. Bones Highland plus salary is not getting you OG and an But if you were willing, well, you should be willing to include this year's first. Um, if you're also willing to include a distant first, uh, Zeke Nagy, if maybe... Te- there are going to be teams that like Will Barton. There are going to be teams that love Monte Morris. My co-host is in love with Monte Morris. Yeah, we uh, know. <laughs> there, I, I think there are more options available to the Nuggets on the trade market than people actually credit uh, because I don't think they understand. And maybe it's not understand. Maybe we just don't fully grasp, especially at a national level, how valuable Bones Highland is, just how high level of a prospect he became. Yeah.
0: You, just, you just made me giggle with, with the OG. I don't know, we take because, you know, first of all, both Voya and I love him so much and it would be so ir- ironic and it would be a full circle on him because actually he was the reason the Nuggets had a debacle uh, in yeah that, uh, in that uh, what was it 2018 draft what when no, was? Se- no no it was 16
2: or, or 17. Se-
0: yeah maybe 17. Tyler yeah the Tyler Leiden that the same year as Monty
2: was drafted yeah yeah th-
0: so they traded back because they thought OG Ananobi would, would be available. They tried to be cute and to be to get uh, OG Ananobi on a lower draft pick. And then they ended up with uh, Tyron, Tyron Lydon and uh, Trey Lyles. They got from Utah. Lyles
2: was before. Lyles was on the Mitchell. That was for the Mitchell pick or something like that.
0: Yeah. L- I Lyles think that- Lyles and Lyles yeah, yeah, yeah. were, were the same draft. yeah. yeah, yeah. Because uh, Lyles was already two years in the league when they when they got. They from... might have been, yeah, it might have been
2: like that year with the Mitchell. The, yeah. Yeah, they part, moved back from thirteen to get to yeah. try to get Argin and Obi They Lyles gave, gave away to, yeah.
0: practically Donovan Mitchell uh, to get two power forwards theoretically can shoot but never could on the <laughs> <Yeah>. Nuggets.
2: <laughs> well, you said with the trade with the pick, like how how willing they would be to trade that pick is again is one of those you, you just we mentioned. Trail Lyles, are you getting Jeremy Grant or Trail Lyles? If you want to, you know, because we got Grant for first pick and that worked okay. I mean, obviously, it wasn't a complete fit that year. They were, I don't know if Malone was just not plugging him in if they were, didn't realize at that point, like, oh, he's just a three. Like, we should just have him at a three and or like a combo three four with Michael Porter. And then in the bu- in the bubble, they figured it out eventually. But yeah, that's, but then are you getting Trail Lyles, which was a f- perfectly fine player, but will he get you over the top? With Bones, I mean, it's, as much as it hurts me, like I love OG, but it's also, he also is, I think both of them have the issue of like with the injuries, the, what issue, like quote unquote issue. Like OG was hurt a bunch, but then he, then eventually played and he was good. Bones was brittle at some point. You know, he would like twist his ankles a bunch of times until he, which is, I guess, I think also comes with, you know, with some rookies. Like he just needs to get used to the, like, just balancing and level of NBA. But man, OG would be, OG would be fun if he because again it would be like a gordon thing he might have a reduced role which would elevate his game in some ways um he wouldn't you know he wouldn't be relied maybe what beginning of the season i mean correct me if i'm wrong dan like he was doing a lot of ball handling when siakam was out and they were giving him a bunch of that stuff and then he got hurt he was really doing well but then he got hurt and yeah, this um, season
1: was yeah. really stop and start with his yeah, ability, yeah. Which I think hurt him because he wasn't great this past year. And so maybe if you're the uh, if you're the Raptors, that's why you don't move him. And again, I think he'd probably be like the loftiest possible acquisition for yeah. for Denver. Otherwise, you're looking at like, and these players would help. Phoenix is going to be preparing for to either pay Ayton or maybe they're worried about Cam Johnson's next extension. Is Jay Crowder on the table? That's someone who works. Another name that's brand yeah. of mine for me, I think he's going in the final year of his deal, um, Dylan Brooks. In Memphis. Um, they have Kyle Anderson, Tyus Jones are free agents. They paid Jaron Jackson Jr., they're about to extend John Morant. Um, is that someone that they view as and look, they're a team that has Zaire Williams clearly believes in their ability to draft. And so if you put your first round pick on the table, Memphis already has two in this draft. I'm not giving up, to be clear, I wouldn't give up bones for a Jay Crowder or a Dylan Brooks. Trying to think of names (laughs) where uh you could include equity, maybe Najee's involved in there salary filler that helps like a, a will barton probably helps memphis a ton when you look at the structure of their offense right now does that get you a dylan brooks and so like those scale of moves i think are even at least within the realm of possibility for the nuggets with with both fan bases like tear, tear up their hair like it's like oh we got rid of brooks oh we got will barton it was like the shot selection grade <laughs> um i think i find will barton more digestible to watch than Dylan Brooks. oh no, definitely. think well,
2: I think so. Yeah, but then then on reverse it on defense, like Barton is almost unwatchable sometimes, and then Dylan Brooks can do good things. And it's just funny. Yeah. Well, I love because Denver Nuggets fans like can can get throw Will Barton on the bus a lot, and I kind of gave up on him by the end of the season on some of those things he was doing. But it, it would have been funny just seeing how <laughs> with Brooks, just like oh we got rid of Barton, oh now it's Brooks, and you see like I don't know if how much. People have watched Memphis over the year, but it's like some of the shots that he takes. I think you, people would lose their minds, like just Vast you know, waving off of the shots. he Yeah, wave, takes waving really off Jokic and like pulling up for three, like a step back three. That would have that would really go over well in ball arena. Well,
0: one one name that is uh, circulating around Nuggets fans a lot uh, last few weeks is is Dort. Do you think that uh, would you be willing to part with Bones Highland to get Dort? On the nuggets, or is it too steep of a price for that?
1: I personally would not because Dort is entering the final year of his contract and he you is need so to, you need to
0: pay for him to pay yeah.
1: him. And he is so spotty on the offensive end. I think it's I don't have a problem paying players, but I'm more confident like if he saw if he gets OG Ananobi money, or let's say he gets less than OG Ananobi money, which he should, he's not as good as OG Ananobi, uh, I'd still feel more comfortable, way more comfortable paying an OG Ananobi. I would look. This has probably become like a meme at this point. I'd feel more comfortable running it back with Jeremy Grant than I would in bringing in a Lou Dort <laughs> just because I his offense makes me a little nervous and I probably I also want, if I'm the nuggets, a bigger body in there as well. And like Lou Dort, he's someone said this on Twitter, I think his name is David Brandon and I can't I laugh every time I think about it because it's so perfect. Lou Dort is built like a Mac truck that is made up of a bunch of smaller Mac trucks. He's just not like especially huge. And so I do think there are matchups that could hurt, like that he can't handle. Whereas if you have a Jeremy Grant and OG and an OB, you can be a little bit more flexible with moving them up the, the positional spectrum or the, the, the archetype spectrum, so to speak on defense. So I, I wouldn't give up bones for him. If you're talking a first round pick, if you're talking, if you're talking other stuff, then yeah, I would consider it. But Bo- that's not a good enough player to me to give up bones for
2: right now. Yeah, because it could be a similar like with OKC. It was the first pick for Jeremy Grant on the last year of the deal, and he yeah, didn't. They, they, they had, had a signed, trade so
0: that, trade exception to for for it to
2: be possible, true, yeah, you
0: know, yeah. to to get. Uh, no, I'm just saying, like, just yeah. ideally,
2: maybe you know, you obviously first, and maybe like matching salary or whatever yeah. for the deal. But he would in the last year of his contract, you would hope he signs with Denver next year, or like you know, if you get him. But that's but that's an, that was an interesting suggestion. I I was my my. Dream pick, which is one of those like I love Lenovo guys. It'll be Josh Hart if they can pull him with somehow, uh, through like a Portland trade, sign and trade, whatever, whatever thing is. I'm not really big, like I'm, I'm not really an off season guy, so like I don't know these salary caps, like manipulation. So I'm like, in, in don't this worry, case, the front just...
1: office aren't front aren't off season people either. So you're, you're good. <laughs> Fair, uh, and
2: so that, that's like a, that would be like a guy that I would love to see in in a Barton place. It's like be Murray Hart michael porter gordon Jokic. like i don't know if that would if that would solve like the point of attack defense as much because he, he what well, he is a good defender i don't know how good i haven't followed his like career with the last few years that closely but i love him as as an idea i guess with the nuggets that type of player
1: yeah if he's available for sure uh if i'm the blazers and you're keeping damian lillard uh you have to keep him because <laughs> yeah yeah you got you just straight first of all I don't think we're making enough about how the Blazers traded Larry Dance Jr., Robert Covington, C.J. McCollum, and Norman Powell and did not get back a first-round pick in this year's draft. That is, I don't, that is malpractice. And so Hart <laughs> has that non-guaranteed salary. I think it's like 12 million. He's a bargain on that. And yeah, so yeah. if the Blazers do pivot, that's certainly a name to look at. I still – and maybe this just speaks to how high I am on Bones, and maybe that's irrational. I'm not giving up Bones for Josh Hart either and it's not even an, more
2: like a barton like swap or something like that like a salary matching I,
1: i'd be curious to see what the level of player barton naji and this year's first round pick would be able to yeah that would do. be interesting because
2: yeah. we that's things like we're so low on barton because of just how sour the season ended again he was also hobbled by the end of it and he's he's put a lot of miles on his on his body over the years that's why i'm really that's what you're right like i wonder objective like coming from other like you know from national perspective like how much they would get because if you don't follow closely barton has didn't have a bad season when you look at his statistics and like some of the stuff like it was pretty decent and but like you watch it's just the defense man it's just yeah that's the thing is we have to watch it all the time to see that and that's the (laughs) people didn't like how much they value kcp was one of those guys someone throw it in the chat
1: i think yeah see when you're looking at kcp is perfect so is Josh Hart. You're talking about teams that as of now are still trying to win, and that's where it gets where you can yeah. see the Raptors at least the Raptors are just different with the how they operate. And so maybe you can <laughs> see them making a move like that. Um, you need to find teams that are maybe looking to cut costs. And I think what helps you with Will Barton, he's probably still most valuable as an expiring contract leading into yeah, next year. Yeah, so. But he's been better defensively in the past. And I think it's also different when he needs to be your third, fourth, or even fifth best offensive player versus I think you could argue the Nuggets need him to be like their second on certain nights here. So that change, And like you said, he's banged up and he's had some injury histories in the past as well. So I don't think you get a ton for him, but just because you have, if you're willing to trade your first and Zeke Najee and he is an expiring contract, um, I don't think it gets you into the highest level conversations, but I don't think that that's like this laughable offer that teams are going to be, you know not willing to to entertain oh it's like, not, yeah, I don't,
2: yeah yeah I agree it's not it's not laughable at all like that, that'd be interesting we'll see that'll be fun okay. that's i mean that's why Calvin Booth, you yeah, know that's why you know that's his it's an important offseason for him we we are
0: really hoping for Calvin Booth to show his aggressiveness now in the trade market and the free uh free agent market as well because that's something that Tim Connolly was known for being really really cautious about making moves not to make a a bad move and he really did architect a really really good roster really good culture because of it but I don't think the Nuggets have uh enough time with Nikola Jokic to be extra caref- careful in the in the future we need to see some yeah some moves to to strengthen the roster what,
2: what do you th- what do you think Miroslav with because Dan mentioned like with Barden you know as a fourth or fifth option we've seen him be be good like that let me after the trade last year do you think if they don't make any moves, that aggressive moves and, and be like, hey, we'll run it back. We saw how good we were with him as a fourth or fifth. Do you think that's playing with fire? Because if things don't go well, like how then then people they might even decrease his value through through the year, and you might not just get anything.
3: Breckenridge Brewery is the official beer of DNVR. Beers on tap and regular seltzers are being sold at the bar. So if you're going there for the avalanche watch parties, you know what you're gonna be drinking. I highly recommend if you're watching the Avs play, what better beer is there than the Breckenridge Brewery Avalanche Amber. Amber is number one, my favorite. Malty beers, delicious anyway. Uh, but also during Av season, what better thing to do? Breck Brew has a beer for any occasion, and there's no better way to watch a game than having a Breck Brew. You can get those good company hard seltzers and hard lemonade seltzers. Uh, you got Avalanche Amber, Juice Drop IPA, Summer Pills Shandy. Actually, I don't think I've had that one. Summer Pills Shandy, I'm going to have to remedy that. Strawberry Sky, and then, of course, the Vanilla Porter Jr. And if you're not able to get down to the DNVR Bar, but you want to go to a liquor store that has Breckenridge Brewery there, just use the Breck Brew Locator. Google the Breck Brew Locator put in your uh, zip code and it's going to tell you exactly where you could find one which bars have it which restaurants have it which uh, liquor stores have it and you go walk right up and get it you can also check out breckbrew.com lots of different deals going on there but of course the official beer partner that's Breckenridge Brewery official partner of DNVR also want to tell you about light shade light shade dispensary is our dispensary here at DNVR And I also today want to tell you about Ripple, the fast-acting dissolvable, clinically proven to hit two times faster than the leading gummy. Ripple starts absorbing within 10 minutes. That's one of the things about those gummies. You take a gummy and you're sitting there 30 minutes, like, did I take enough? Then you take another one. Then they kick in so late, you can't get it figured out. This one fast acting and starts absorbing within 10 minutes so you can depend on a consistent experience every single time with Ripple dissolvables you can make anything an edible flavorless dissolvable powder Ripple quick sticks are the most convenient way to get the fastest THC just pour on your tongue Ripple products come in a variety of doses for whatever experience it is you're looking for no sketchy science here Ripple's speed and absorption absorption were studied by Colorado State University in a randomized placebo controlled t- trial and real people. The results were published in a peer-reviewed reviewed journal. That's Colorado's premier dispensary lightshade with 11 convenient locations, Denver Metro and Aurora locations, Barnum location now open, one block off Sixth Avenue and Federal Boulevard. The biggest light shade store, specialty products not, not offered at other locations. And right now, our podcast listeners get 25% off non-sale items when you use promo code DNVR. It's the best promo code we have here. We want you guys to be hitting up LightShade. Make it your home dispensary. You can also visit LightShade.com for pickup or visit LightShade location. I really
0: think that That's if good. Will Barton is not moved in July, that means that he's just an just a expiring contract after that. Because if okay. you're waiting for the trade deadline, you're just basically trading his 13 minutes uh, 13 uh, or no it's not 13 it's 15 million 16 million uh, of contract yeah. he has right now and that's a value because a lot of teams are, are looking to offload salary at the end of the season so you can get honestly if if they will not be able to move will barton uh at the tra- uh, uh, uh at this off season, I think they should move him to the bench and and try to to make something else work and just use him as a as a secondary or, or even a primary ball handler off the bench, and I, I really think his best role for for this upcoming season is to go to a rebuilding team, get a lot of minutes, but uh, not not to be pushed uh, uh, above his his uh, powers, so he can stay healthy and get another good contract because he's like 31 right now and he should be able to get another good contract Just one somewhere time. and problem about that is he's maybe too good for rebuilding team because he might get too many wins for a Oklahoma City team or for I don't know Orlando Magic team next season so that might be a problem but you know rebuilding teams can always shut down a player make up <laughs> uh, some kind of reason not not to uh, play although oh, oh, it does worry me like when you I mentioned... really hope that doesn't happen
2: yeah, when you when you, I think Dan, you mentioned OKC with with because uh, we we're talking about Dorton with Bones. I'm like, it does, it does give me nightmares thinking about Bones and Shy in the same team. Just that lanky, like how that would look like, especially in the division. Like, I don't want to see that.
1: I'd like it a lot more than Giddy and Shea Gil Alexander. To be honest with you, I'm not. I, <laughs> I remain too low, probably too low on Josh Giddy. I've gotten a lot of crap for that. <laughs> You're fine. I'm- I don't know, man.
0: I would love yeah. Giddy on the Nuggets. I would love it. The
1: passing I, is fantastic. I, just...
0: I, I, I'm
2: not, I, I personally love love when someone's a shooter first, like they can shoot first and everything else later. I guess or shoot it all. Shoot it all <laughs> <again>. <laughs> fair. fair. Yeah, let's move 10, 10, now to 10-10 game with zero points or something.
0: Yeah, yeah I, I want to to catch some other subjects, so I want to 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 run through this fast. Uh, let's go to the free agents. Then uh, you've mentioned. Uh, a guy like Bruce Brown would be good for the Nuggets, and probably the best uh, level of player they can expect for that uh, uh, small mid-level exception they will be they will have in the off season. Do you have? I'm putting you on a spot. Do you have any other names that you could come up that would be useful rotation players for the Nuggets next yeah, season? Sure. That, that fit that uh, value.
1: Yeah. Um, so we're looking at like 6.4 million, I think would be the top yeah. out of the mini MLE. So I think a reunion with Gary Harris wouldn't be, would be far from the worst thing in the world. Still on the smaller end, not super long, but he quietly had a really good season for Orlando. His offense seems like it's back and you can't imagine there'd be regression with Nicole Jokic there. I also think if you're really looking for more just like true wings um, Pat Connaughton has a player option with Milwaukee. I expect him to decline it. I don't know if he prices himself out of the mini MLE market though. Uh, and then this is a name that I've brought up a few times with a couple of different teams. And I just think that a smart franchise is going to, to sign him is a mere coffee was great for the Clippers this past year as they were navigating all, all their own absences. Someone who, I don't know that you want to use him all the time as a point of attack defender, but they moved him all around defensively one through four Uh, he gave them some ball handling he shot the three ball fairly well Uh, and he has some I wouldn't say speed off the dribble but he will work off the dribble they gave him some spot pick and roll uh, a duty and then they also you know he can turn a corner with his left hand and try and get to the to the basket so there are names out there that I think the wing market is incredibly shallow so it's going to be hyper competitive but I do think that there if the Nuggets are I don't want to say get a little lucky, but I do think there are at least realistic names that they could look at, and Bruce Brown, again being one of them, um, that should fall under that financial umbrella. Well, I,
2: I, so Bruce Brown, you said, and uh, if, especially if he had a really, if had a, I don't know, if he had a good relationship with Jeff Green, Jeff Green might be like, hey, this is a really good thing here, so you, you know, you might be able to have that in, uh, especially with Amir Coffee. This is one of those if Conley was here. It would be one of those, and maybe it's a lock to like get him, because uh, that's like a player that that you would want to you know be like, hey, th- let's see how this works out, because we we always not it's not a gamble. He's he's not a bad player. He's just he's not you know he's Bruce Brown you know playing in in like the the Nets or you say people saying KCP or and These guys they're more like quote unquote ex- established. But Amir Koffi is like I would I would love it. It's I have like this we're like I love weird players. I love taking gambles on players. So that would be one of those like. Uh, especially also my big 10 guy so that'd be really fun to oh you know
0: if you like gambles ball ball will probably be available oh,
2: next season get the, get the hell out of here <laughs> that's not like, this is that's not gambling that's just playing lottery and and losing all the time
0: okay i have one one more dark uh, thing to talk about and that's uh, michael porter jr's Yay. future career I, I don't want to skip this subject because I think it, it's, it's uh, valuable to speak about it, even though we all hope for the best with his uh, future, uh, career. But what do you think then would be the best, the most realistic and the worst scenario for the Nuggets with his contract that is just starting the, the four, the five-year max that's starting right now?
1: The worst case scenario is that things just continue the way that they've been, where his availability is intermittent, and there might be seasons where he misses the vast majority, if not all of them. And you safeguard yourself a little bit with the partial guarantee on the the final year. But that's a long way away <laughs> five years like, ago, yeah, yeah, and I think you guaranteed really? him. It was like one things guaranteed one forty six plus million. So like that's a lot of money. Uh, best case scenario would be that he's just a a superstar, Uh, maybe maybe a little bit higher than Jamal Murray level just because you look at his size and his ability to shoot over everybody. Even if you get to the Jamal Murray level where you're talking about, oh, he's in the all-star conversation consistently enough, even if he's not making those teams, that's huge. A more realistic outcome feels like it's going to be, this is someone that you overpaid, but he is still super useful to your team. And what at least helps you there is you don't need him to be in theory, a superstar. And also the way that he can be used on offense, um, he can shoot over anyone. He can play off the ball. That, in theory, should be not as physically taxing. And so maybe that helps preserve his body. You also might be in a better position to monitor his minutes for the duration of this contract as well. I think where that becomes a difficult discussion is, well, if you're tamping down his responsibilities on offense, What does that mean for him on defense? Because he was never a great defender, but he had become like, by the end of last season, a playmaking defender. Whereas you could count on him to make plays around the basket. Um, He was moving really well, and he knew how to use his size in certain spots. He might still be able to do all those things, but if you're worried about him taking on too much of a role on offense, it's not going to be easier to use him defensively. If he's stiff or if he just can't move the same way, um, there are going to be matchups that, really hurt him and then you have to go and build out the rest of your rotation on the margins in the image of what mpj looks like on that end because i i think it's and i don't even think you need to argue whatever happens best case worst case middle middle end outcome it's all workable for the nuggets on offense because of the personnel that they have and then what mpj can do even if he is a reduced version of himself the defense Starts to put you in some interesting dilemmas just because Nikola Jokic, very good defender, not a defensive player of the year candidate, like I saw some people arguing. Jamal no, Murray, exactly. certainly not even. I, I don't even like he's we've seen really great defensive toughness from Jamal Murray, but like a lot of the things in his career, it's felt inconsistent. So you're already dealing with two of your best players who are not, I would say, in any given matchup, you can't guarantee either of those players are going to be a plus defensively. If you now throw Michael Porter Jr. into that equation, only he's worse than them. I don't know what you're necessarily su- supposed to do. Um, it becomes more difficult if you have three liabilities. Again, in certain matchups, because I don't view yeah, Jokic yeah. as a liability, but if you have three liabilities in certain matchups, it's going to be really hard to win postseason series like that.
2: Yeah, I think yeah you're right. With with Michael Porter's worst, obviously, is what you said mm-hmm. with this and and that. Like trying to play because even not playing ever. For Nuggets, like if he retires, like I don't, I think that it works. Like if they don't, I don't know if they're paying him or if or if it goes off the books or whatever. The situation they would be is.
0: paying him, but they would get a, a exception. Yeah,
2: exception something. Yeah, so it's not so that's not the worst. It would be like he plays a few games, then he's out for the year or like half of the year, and you not you never know if he's gonna be back or not. Realistic is you're trying to low manage him for the year to try to tamp him to like a certain point to the playoffs. The problem is he's not Clay Thompson. That he's been through it and he has these fundamentals that you can be like, yeah, we will rest you every other game or every third game, and and then we'll you know, and then in the playoffs you can ramp you up. Uh, real yeah, and then realistically, I think that's the best case would be what you said, Dan, is is he improves defensively and he becomes like an Andrew Wiggins uh, route, not like a player type, but just like a route. Like he was supposed to be a superstar, got paid a lot of money, but just transitions into a really good role player. Like I would really love that if that's the case, because then at least like playmaking on defense, like we've seen so many like good blocks with him, and sometimes he can rotate. Like it's just getting routinely, and that's like one of those like the vicious cycle of he needs minutes to get used to the playing on defense, but you can't tax him too much on minutes because he's back. So it is it it just it's gonna might, might end up being like hey, we pay, overpaid you know we took a gamble we lost. I still don't understand how Jamal Murray end up with that top five defensive player of the year ranking or whatever the the nba.com had i i, I mean it, it was still funny i think they just wanted to murray and did or like that's some weird <laughs> stat that there's some weird stat that showed like no you know people are not hitting over jamal murray and he's like so that's what we're gonna pull out he's the best better defender so because i've seen people like argue it's like oh bro he was a he was in one point he was a defensive player of the year candidate like no no he's he's not he's he can be like a big body you know decent body size and you can't post him up and stuff like that but he's, he wasn't that he wasn't a top five
1: we do guys a disservice when we try and inflate like their skill sets because you can't appreciate what Jamal Murray actually does or how much he has or will improve defensively if you're just a well he's already just defensive player of the year like he should have been all defense or he's one of the best point guard defenders in the league like you do more damage by like yeah by those, that, those arguments yeah yeah. yeah yeah
2: yeah well that's what that's what I think that's what the what, what with Jokic was you said it. like people were saying defensive player of the year or all defensive team stuff and like let's not go overboard he wasn't like he, he was not as bad as as like his biggest detractors say and he's really not as good as you know biggest supporters say like he's a really decent defender in certain positions like that's what um i heard some uh, one of the guys from I think uh, Rambo Rock, uh, they're on Fastback Breakfast, talking about Bielita, How everyone is, it's like one of those like it, just, it circulates through the league of like what the, what specific type player is. It's like, oh, he good shooter, good passer, shitty on defense. And it's like, well, actually, if, well, during the season, he was actually really good on defense. Which like yesterday in the game, he showed he has really good positioning, and then with passing and shooting, he wasn't as good as people were saying. Uh, And it's kind of with with sometimes with, you know, with Jokic stuff, like, and and these like, defensive. Because, oh, defensive numbers show this, this, and this. And then you have to obviously always have contacts with these. and, And then when someone says, look at how good he is, others will say, like, oh, you're basically, like, talking talking bullshit and they will just <laughs> they will
0: just they'll just make a a video of like five minutes of him being blown out in the in the spread picking and roll and they will prove you that Jok is, is, is in fact not a yeah, yeah. good defender but yeah I agree the defensive metrics are very wanky and they can they can make a lot of disservice I have to agree with with Dan about the outcomes for Michael Porter's career just to get back to that subject because if everything stays the same and that means that he plays for two out of next four seasons that's a disaster on a max contract that's really the, the worst case scenario i would actually put uh, him actually putting his uh, health before his basketball career and just ending it if he cannot stay on the court uh, like like a second best uh, scenario for the nuggets because as as voya mentioned they would get some kind of cap relief because of that. Of course, Kronkis would have to pay his contract in full because everything is okay. guaranteed. Is NFL. Well, sucks here. for
2: him. Like you know, but 23 and you have three back surgeries. Listen, man, I'm real. I'm real happy
0: with. because he has such a good agent and he got all of that money with his uh, injury career. So I'm really glad that he get, got that money i hope he'll stay healthy and and earn mark, some more mark is the man <laughs> even if he doesn't i mean it's it's not a big tragedy you can you can you can get a lot worse than 150 million
1: dollars i guess and at least the move is defensible i think they could have waited yeah. but the season he was coming off like that was you know yes if he was entering restricted free agency now no i don't think he's getting that money uh, but the nuggets have they've operated under like this um you know, this, this franchise Chase, yeah. mantra of we're going to take care of our own guys. And, like, that's their thing is, like, they they gave Jamal Murray the extension. So, like, why wouldn't you give Michael Porter Jr. the extension? So, even if it ends up being a bad deal, I don't think it was a bad decision by the Nuggets just because when you are yeah, yeah. in this type of a market, you do need to sort of separate yourself uh, in some ways. And they're paying their players. They're taking care of them a little bit earlier than some other more, I guess you'd call them callous or just cold and calculated teams might have. I mean,
2: Jokic. They declined. There was a team option on Jokic in his in his max year, and they declined it to sign him on a max. So he's taken care of. Because it was funny. It was a, what fourth, I think, in the MVP that year when they signed him finally. But they could have had him on a team option, which was like two million, and he might have been like top four in the MVP, at like the at two. Yeah, million. I, I remember back and then his, going into free agency. His his Understood. agent
0: Misko Rznaud said i i really hope they won't be playing with fire and and extending that two million option on him because that wouldn't be the wisest thing to do with such a great player because yes they can sign him on a on a rookie extension after that in in a restricted free agency but that will not end well for the nuggets so I'm, yeah i'm pretty they sure the right do thing. that
1: it was an even easier decision for them because if they didn't, if they didn't decline the team option when he hit free agency, he was going to be an unrestricted. Free oh yeah, that's, agency. Right. He he would, be yeah, he that's right. Yeah, was unrestricted. Yeah, yeah, that's so right. So he, that would have been franchise malpractice on their, on their yeah, part yeah. of the, it, especially because
2: because we talk about you know with the Serbian corner from a perspective, as like from as Serbian's like that would even I I, I we almost I almost guarantee that he wouldn't have signed for the back for the Nuggets if they had picked up that option just because it would have been the. The disrespect. You know, no matter how much money you can offer me, or like you're apologizing, you know, or like giving the reasons, like screw you, like this is this this is disrespect. Like I'm bringing you the you know top four. We would have signed somewhere. I probably would have went to San Antonio with one of those other teams. Like that that would be like, hey, come here, like we'll take care of you. And I think that that was the smart move. And again, you have to if you you know do that to Jokic, then you know, do that to Jamal. Turns out to be a good move you have to keep going because, again, free agents are not flocking to come to –
1: And that's how the Nuggets have operated, which I think is smart, is that cap space means a lot more to teams in certain markets than it does in others, and it's more valuable to have Michael Porter Jr. to make that dice roll if he becomes the player you think he's going to be than to bank on acquiring that player through means other than the draft. You're not – if Michael Porter Jr. pans out, the Nuggets have never signed a player like that in free agency. And, yeah, exactly. um, and they've never, they've never really even traded for a player like that. So just because those players don't just become readily available and teams that are in their markets are a little bit reticent to go all in on stars. If they know that free agency is upcoming. So I don't, I, I get the argument for why the nuggets could have waited, but it just, that's one, that's just not how they operate So that that's the other thing is it was never really on the table, but two, I understand the thought process behind what they did. Yeah.
0: Okay, we are uh, running a bit long today, and uh, I don't think it will be a problem because Adam is probably already drunk. are playing golf, they golf. don't know. <laughs> yeah, so he probably won't even notice this. So we're going to the, to the last segment for today, and that's the fish stew disagreements. Ooh. And we're going to uh, try and do a very tricky thing to predict how the Nuggets uh, next regular season is going to roll out. This will be most, this will most probably lead us to some disagreement because it's super hard to predict something like this even, even before draft. But I want to see which teams out of those top four teams, and those were Suns, Grizzlies, Warriors, and Mavs could be overtaken by the nuggets next season, and which play in or, or worse teams from this season could uh, actually surpass nuggets next season what do you think then what what seems realistic to you
1: they could realistically jump anyone who was ahead of them i think with the exception of the warriors at this point and i say that just there's a lot of uncertainty in phoenix right now chris paul getting older eight going in restricted free agency um so i think it's realistic to think that they could finish as high as two uh, i wouldn't even say that their ceiling their ceiling is one if they're healthy but when you're taking in that uncertainty i'd say around two feels right I'm not overly worried about any of the playing teams behind them, aside from there's the Clippers, obviously, if they stay healthy. And the team I would keep an eye on, and spoilers, not the Lakers. I just I can't bring myself to care about the Lakers anymore. Pelicans. I, it's the Pelicans. I I might be way too high on the Pelicans, but if you're going to tell me that Zion plays in 60 yep. games next season, <laughs> uh, that's a team you need to watch out for based off how they close the year.
2: Yeah, I, I know. That was that was my first when You said, Mirsa, when you said a playing team that can jump. My first thought was I know it was probably unrealistic to think that, but it was like it was pelicans. I, maybe, probably won't happen, but I wouldn't be shocked like I, I almost kind of root for them to go higher and just to be like a Memphis Grizzlies of this of the next season just be like a fun story um, even without Zion like just to go you know go with this specific team. Uh, they can yeah, they can jump anyone. I realistic I think they might be around hovering around four. I just don't know after these couple of years with Murray. I think there's gonna be and if even if, if Jokic especially if Jokic plays in the Euro Euro basket that he might come in a little like hazier in the in the beginning of the season and not jump off at like the M V P level right away and which which we shouldn't even expect or want him to tax himself as, as much as he did the last two years. So I think four ish would be my I had I had five for this season, I was close. I think like four even with healthy because like, I don't know this nugget, they just don't inspire sustained, like excellent confidence in me uh, that they can go and run through the league. They always just play up to the competition. And that's one of those things I wish they just could root out out of that, out of that team, just so they can, if they have a weak, weaker team in front of them, they just steamroll like three or four, you know, seven or eight, ten 10 games in a row. If they could, they went to nine and like relaxed on a Boston 20 point game and, and lost that after Gordon trade. So, I still think it's four because I think the other teams probably might try harder in the regular season than the Nuggets or just be present, I guess, in the beginning. Uh,
0: I would agree with that. And I think it's really, really important for the Nuggets to be in the top four next season because we've seen what happened to them when they finish sixth. Then you can get Golden State Warriors in the first round and just get almost swept (laughs) by them. And we've seen how every other team uh, uh, had uh, their... um, uh, amusement against uh the Warriors this season uh, thing is the Nuggets have uh, Michael Malone as their coach who is uh, far from the perfect coach he tends to uh, take a lot of time in playoffs to adjust to a playoff series so it would be good if the first playoff series would be an easier one so yeah. even if they get in the uh zero to two hole they could dig dig out of it and and get back because if you try to do that against the Warriors that won't happen so yeah I agree I think the Nuggets really need to push for the top four seed I don't know if if you need to go much much higher than that risk any any injuries in in playing your over or playing your guys uh, at most but I will I'll fix them as like number three and I have no idea who the top two teams are really because it could be Memphis you know, it could be—I don't know—Dallas. It it could be anybody, really, because Phoenix Suns look like they they should really uh, refurbish themselves because what they showed uh, in these playoffs is not what they've they've been hoping hoping to do. So, yeah, they probably, might become uh, like if, if they don't position. change
2: much, they might become the Utah Jazz. Uh, and just like oh, that, still
0: be the number one seed, that, that's a dream scenario, really. <laughs>
2: I mean, in that case, not not the qual. I mean, they're probably better. But probably, I just Perhaps. I still. It's such a weird. It was such a weird game seven that Suns thing. Like, I'm still not convinced that they're not good. I, I, I was, I was, I was, I was never on their bandwagon. I was always like mad that people are like boasting them that high because I was mad of like ten years of lottery. Of course, you're gonna get a good team together. But I'm now. I'm not on the piling on on them and like being like they're they're frauds completely. Like I'm there. I'm somewhere like. On both, on both ends, I'm, like, not on the extremes. So I still think that they could be number one seed next year, too, unless they just start fighting within, you know, in fighting and, and the chemistry is gone because of just that one game or one series. But that will be fun. I mean, it will be fun to see. I, lo- I love this the, uh, Adam and the guys were talking about with there's no Cleveland and Golden State, like, oh, we were penciling them in for the finals and just waiting for the outcome. Now it's just so much fun because you don't know what to expect. Like, again – Boston was 11th in January, and they just jumped in, and like now they're they might be in the finals. So I, I love I love NBA. You know how it's going right now with the parody.
0: Okay, for the for the very end of the show, give me your predictions for the for the NBA championship. First of all, I haven't seen a single match of Eastern Conference Finals. I don't want to watch that. Is there any chance for, for Miami to get to the Game 7? And after that, who is winning the championship? Is there a chance that the Golden State Warriors are not the champions?
1: Is there a chance? I think there's a chance. I Boston, I'm really high on. I would be shocked if it's the Heat that make it to the NBA Finals. They're just so banged up right now. Yeah. I think all their half-court offense concerns are they're coming to light at the worst possible time uh, because of part of those injuries. Uh, Boston-Golden State, assuming that's the matchup, is something I still can't wrap my head around. The Warriors have looked like a buzzsaw, though, um, especially against Dallas, and I might lean towards picking them, but after the, some of the series and games that we've had to labor through this postseason, I'm just hoping that finals goes seven and it's a classic because as basketball fans, we deserve it after yeah, the basketball that's, that we've sat through. It.
2: Yeah, Eastern Conference. I think that Milwaukee in, in Boston was fun. And, and even, like, Dallas and Phoenix was all like there were 30 point games, 20 point games. Like this this Eastern Conference Finals, I don't know if I've ever seen a word. It's, it's worse than a first rounder sometimes. Like at least in first rounder, one team is much better. So they're at least playing well. This is unbelievable that there have been like four or five games with the 20-point lead. Like all the games have a 20-point lead for some team. I I I'm going Boston 6. I, I love I love this team. I love the defense. I always lean on defense. But this is like my my high school dream matchup for the finals. Like I was on the, early on the Warriors bandwagon uh, in like 20, 2011, 2012. And obviously I love Boston for KG. So like it, in high school, if you told me like this is the matchup you're gonna get in 10 years, I'd be like, cool, I'll get it. I said on Twitter, I, I'm fine with that matchup for the finals. Everyone win, wins wins. And then we can have a Denver dynasty. <laughs>
0: okay. Thanks to everybody who was powering through with us for the last 69 minutes. Of their lives, uh, please go go follow Dan on Twitter at Dan Favali F A V A L E Did I do it right? Yes. And uh, go go listen to Harvard Knox It's a really it's a really great general NBA podcast. So we'll we'll see you when we see you probably next week in another Serbian corner segment. But who knows? We might make another impromptu show like this one next week again thanks Dan take care guys thanks Thank for you having me